Connor Rehill is here today. How you doing, Connor? Good, good, man. How are you? Good, man. I'm good. How are good things over there in uh, Halifax today? They're good so far. It's a bit of a chilly day. It's probably similar to how the island's weather is right now, but um, the whole COVID situation seems to be a little promising at the time. Um, yeah, maybe open up PEI the bubble. Is. Open up yeah, the PEI maybe. to Halifax bubble. Um, Those PEI yeah. people can go surfing over there. That's what I'm thinking about. <laughs> yeah, there, <laughs> there is quite a bit of that down around here. I hear people coming down from Quebec and everything to, to surf. But um, yeah, um, we were over in uh, PEI last year. There was November, but it's, we haven't been able to get back since. Oh yeah, Where they close I know, you gotta isolate. Christmas. You gotta isolate. Who wants to isolate for yeah. two weeks? Yeah, who I wants that's that? The, that's the big. Uh, that's the big ticker. That's just uh, the small condition of, of traveling. Just yeah, the, yeah. The other province besides you, but yeah. Sit in the room for two weeks. No, thank you. <laughs> exactly. So uh, your girlfriend Sarah Curry came to the podcast uh, recently, yeah. and um, she uh, nudged you to come on as well. I she did. She did. <laughs> we were talking earlier. Yeah, she gave me the little bit of peer pressure, but it was a good thing. It was. It was. It's definitely. Yeah, she. She. Uh, I think she did it last month with you, and the the episode aired pretty recently. Um, but uh, yeah, you guys, you you must have grown up together. Then you, you probably knew her from school. Yeah, yeah. We uh, from what we I gather, grade uh, seventh class. There's a bunch of us. Uh, you, you met. <laughs> Met a lot of them, I think, but uh, kind of a group from grade seven, just uh, right. silly, silly kids. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I guess if you can picture, yeah, I, I when I, I, I think I've, I've known Sarah for just over a year now, I met a few of her, her closer friends, but um, she was, she had back in the summertime, she said, oh, my, my friends and myself are all organizing just this, this weekend thing over in PEI. And uh, they had rented out like, an, I think it was, I don't know if it was an Airbnb, but it was with uh this company that rents out these cottages so she's like you, you can come if you want and and uh i uh i went with her it was like was it august and uh at that point i'd only met about i would say three or four of her closest friends who had come to halifax and i get over there and she's like oh yeah by the way just <laughs> just a few other people are going to stop on by like uh, i think like nikita and a few of her other friends invited people that they their extended groups and stuff so I was like, okay, yeah. She's like, you'll probably be meeting a few few people. And and that first night, it was like, oh my goodness. It was, I don't know how many people were there, but you were there too. And it was it oh, was yeah. pretty packed. And it was, for at that point, I was just accepting it. It was like, oh my, I'm just surrounded by people. <laughs> Nobody knows me. I don't know anybody. I'll make the most of it. I'll, I'll uh, walk around and try and introduce myself. But yeah it, yeah, it went from probably three or four of her friends to 30 or or, or more of her of her yeah. friends that she grew up with yeah exactly and all all within covid restrictions right <laughs> absolutely yes yeah absolutely people came in waves that's that's yeah that's yeah they came in waves there was phase there, there was a plan there was a plan that was set into the uh the government body beforehand yeah so, strategically yeah yeah so it was all planned out we were six feet apart it's all good yeah <laughs> it was big backyard so. <laughs> um so yeah, man, thanks for coming on and thanks for uh, being willing to share. And we kind of had a little chat about, um, you know, your story and, and what what uh, what you'd like to talk about. And um, you can just get into that uh, wherever you like and start whatever you like. Yeah. 
yeah so i guess well i, I also wanted to say first of all like um I, uh, I, I'd heard of your podcast a little bit, um, before Sarah had even done it. Um, I think she mentioned it to me uh, a few months back. Um, and I think I, I had looked, looked up your, your, your name or your podcast name on Google. So I, I got to read up a little bit about it and I was, I was, I was thinking to myself, like, I, I really do think it's a, it's a great thing that you're doing. And, um, I read a little bit about your, your, your backstory and whatnot and what, kind of prompted you to, to get into doing this and I think that it's certainly like admirable that you 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 flipped the situation and you made the most out of it and um I saw definitely with even with Sarah's episode um that she'd done she she got a lot of positive feedback and she got I don't know if she she communicated it to you but she got a ton of messages that just that day alone that uh that the podcast was put out from people who could just like relate to what she was saying even if it was just little parts of what she was saying so um, right. she had a lot of people that were kind of appreciative of, of you having her on and her talking about her, her, her story. And, uh, she kind of said to me, well, why don't you, you, uh, go on? Cause you could certainly contribute something a little different to, 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 to the, uh, the message she's sending in the podcast. So I said, yeah, sure. I mean, sign me up. So I think she organized it through you and she, she let you know that I'd come on. So here I am. Um, but yeah, I uh, I guess I'll just write out. I I just I, I myself I have uh, ADHD, and it's a it's a relatively new thing, um, and I only really found out about it within the last few months. Um, but I guess I'll just I'll start with kind of what what um, got prompted me to to look into um, just the way I was feeling a little bit more, um, and what kind of led me to here, but. Um, so I, I work with, uh, the RCMP here in, uh, Halifax. I work out in Dartmouth, but I, I'm not a police officer. Most people think that when I say RCMP, but, um, I work in HR. Um, so I'm mostly just like, a it's in an office environment. Um, but when COVID sort of started up and, uh, everything picked up, it kind of hit us pretty quickly. So, so most people didn't have a whole lot of time to react, but everybody at my office was sent home uh, late March of 2020. So almost a year ago now. Um, right. And it was kind of like a situation where most people had these, these laptops that are given to them. So if you're able to work from home, then that's great. But if you're, if you don't have any way of working from home from home for now, then um, it's kind of, they needed to start figuring out how those people would be able to work from home. But I was lucky enough to have a laptop and I, I, uh, I began working from home in March um, and I was pretty excited about it actually because there wasn't really the chance to work from home otherwise before that everything, everything right. was pretty standardized. You go in the office every day, eight to four um, standard work day, but um, it was just like a little bit of a change up. So I was kind of looking forward to it. I was optimistic about it. Um, so I just started working pretty much like a lot of other people in Halifax and in Canada, North America did. I, I just, um, it was kind of a reactionary thing. We just started working from home every day. Um, and then the structure of our days really changed a lot because um, you're kind of doing things on your own accord and taking your own initiative every day. You're not with your coworkers. You're not with your, your supervisor. You're kind of under no super, supervision really. Um, and so it started out great. Um, 
and I actually found there, I, I had like an increase in, in, in my productivity um, because I, I don't know how to really, I don't know how to pinpoint it, but I mean, maybe it's just, there's, there's a little bit more freedom at home and you don't need to, you don't need to prepare for the day as much, but anyway, all that to say, like, um, as the weeks started going by, um, I don't know, it, it was, I, I, I found that I started maybe falling behind a little bit more in my work or things started taking me longer to get done. And I, I, uh, I started getting more of a pile up or, or a backlog of work that I was, I was having to do. Um, and for the most part, when things like that would happen, I, I well, like when, when specifically when this was happening, I kind of just brushed it off as like, Oh, I'm just using this one laptop. It's, it's not, it's not quite as efficient as if I was in the office and I was able to, to talk to my coworker, I, I always kind of considered myself uh, better at working in like a, an interpersonal like environment where I can bounce ideas off my coworkers and I can, I can refer to them if I want to, but right. um, I kind of just brushed it off as, as <clears throat> um, I'm just by myself here. I, if I have a question or I want to bounce something off somebody, I don't have anybody around me to talk to right now. And I'm just using this one laptop and it's, and things are just going to take longer to get done in that regard. So I was able to, I guess it was just kind of a, I gave myself a little bit of a leniency there or something, if you want to say that, but as the weeks and months started going on, like we worked from, I, I'd worked from home from March until September until, and that's, I, I only started coming back into the office and back in the fall, but um, things were just starting to pile up more and more. Um, and, and it got to the point where things, sometimes things weren't getting done or I'd forget to do something entirely. Um, and it started also getting to the point where I'd have, um, you know, missed phone calls or emails from people that I just wasn't responding to. And, uh, I had coworkers that were, were starting to maybe just get, I'd, I, I'd consider them, I'd consider it getting a little bit concerned about about me maybe um they started reaching out and it would be like an un, unwork related sort of thing and they would just reach out and say hey we like i noticed um i had sent you this email um a few weeks ago even and you didn't get back to me and it wasn't something the attitude from my coworkers was always like definitely like we don't suspect anything in terms of like your work ethic or anything and we don't blame you for anything but it was more of like a concern thing about me personally so it was like this isn't like you this isn't in your character so we just want i just wanted to check in on you and see if everything was all right and i got a few emails i and i work i i i'm in a relatively small office and my my um <clears throat> i think i only work with like five or six people so i'd probably gotten an email of that sort from most of the people that I work with. And because um, <clears throat> I guess each one of them was, was feeling kind of the same way that they weren't hearing from me so much. So yeah, no, it was, it was, it was great at least that they didn't kind of from the start, they didn't kind of hold things against me and they kind of did a little bit more looking into it or put some more thought into it. Maybe there's something else going on here. So. Um, so that was completely kind of uncharacteristic of you before. Yeah. Before COVID I mean, I can... and working at, at uh, the office. Yeah. And like, uh, the way I think about it too, is like, I may have, 
and I'll, I'll, I guess I'll touch on it all later, but it all ties into my eventually getting the, getting an ADHD diagnosis. But, um, I mean, I, I guess I'd some, a lot of times still have the tendencies to, to forget to do something or to not respond to something or to let some work pile up if I was feeling overwhelmed when I was actually in the office, but there was more of a, I was there with everybody else and they could physically see me and the concerns wouldn't have been as great in those, those uh, environments, I guess. So, I mean, if anybody, they would, they had the ability to, I guess, just walk over and, and say, Hey, what's the status on this or what's, what's going on with this? Like, uh, are you able to get that to me? But it wasn't the case when we were all working from home. And, and, and right. so I wasn't immediately available if, if they wanted to just check in. So, so there was more like of a, like, physical accountability where they could just come over to your desk and then yeah then like physically saying it to you is would be different than them just sending an email and then you look at it and then you just kind of forget about it yeah and i guess you could say like and i'll also talk about this later but with a big thing i find with in my experience with adhd is that um and unless something's right in front of you unless you can see something physically and kind of leaves your mind and it, there's not as much urgency there um, so there's, there was probably certainly more of a sense of urgency and, and I don't want to say importance. Cause I do think I do consider everything important at work, but like there was more of a sense of urgency where I knew that they were there with me. And yeah, like you said, accountability. And I was, I was also under not around the clock supervision, but I was also under supervision. Like my supervisor was, my, my boss was physically there too. So, um, but yeah, like with, yeah, so, so the working from home situation kind of affected work in a lot of different ways, really, it was kind of like everything was, was flipped upside down. And I mean, there were definitely pros to it, but in my case, I found that, um, it kind of surfaced a lot of things that I started to take a, a harder look at, but, um, yeah, so, so I got a few emails from coworkers checking in and, uh, I don't know, at first I kind of like, I feel like I was, when I first started getting people checking in on me, I was still at that point where I was saying, I, I was thinking to myself, well, there's, it's not me. It's a, it's like, it's our situation. It's the work, working from home thing. It's just not working. It's not working for anybody. I, I thought like, oh, everybody's, everybody's in the same boat as me and, and they're having right. the same issues. Um, so the first few times I would get these emails, I was kind of a little more standoffish or maybe denying that it was or, or wondering why they would they would resort to thinking something might be going on with me as opposed to oh why can't they just see that it's 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 obvious that it's because we're in a, a lockdown but um as more and more time passed i kind of i kind of started to realize like it started going from i'm not getting things done quick enough or I'm not answering quick enough to I'm just like not getting anything done. And I'm not, right. I'm just not answering phone calls. I'm getting these missed phone calls or if someone's looking for me or asking for something for me over email, I'm just not answering the email. It's never, it was never like an intentional thing. It was more of like a, you're just feeling like completely overwhelmed, completely scrambled. Just, uh, I, I don't know. It, it's tough to describe really. And I guess, yeah, like I said, I'll get more into the, the actual structure, the, what, what ADHD more entails and how it looked for me, but, um, no, yeah, just, yeah, 
I, I, I started to eventually realize like maybe there's something more to this. And I had also been contacted by my boss too. So those were more, it was more of a wake up call too when my, my boss was actually starting to take notice. And I think maybe some of my coworkers were reaching out to him and saying, Hey, look like I haven't, I haven't heard from Connor. Um, so, so in, in, like I, I had already said, like they were all, the way they went about it was great. And I feel like the way they, yeah, they didn't really hold it against me and, and, and they didn't dismiss it as like a work ethic thing was, was great. And my boss, like he does definitely had confidence in me. So he thought maybe something more was going on. So I said, I just started thinking to myself, so maybe, I don't know, maybe, uh, I really, to be honest, I really, I really didn't know how to really describe or, or, or explain it or, 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 or anything along those lines. But, um, how did the conversation think, go with your boss? Like when you had this conversation? Well, he would, he would keep it brief. Like my boss is pretty, he's, he's really respectful of people's personal boundaries and he doesn't overly want to, he doesn't want to pry. And it's a, it's, it's a, a credit to him really, but he, 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 he'll, he'll let you tell him as much as you're, you're kind of comfortable, I guess, or as much as you feel you need to tell him. So he would check in on me definitely, but I, I knew it was tied to my coworkers concerns because it was result. It was, seemed like it resulted from my coworkers first being concerned um, because I definitely speak with my coworkers and I talk, I deal with them a lot more day to day than I would with my, my boss. Um, but he, he would call me. I think there was a few times that he just called me out of the blue and just said, Hey, no, I'm just, I'm just checking in on you to see if everything is, is going well. And if, if you're doing all right. And uh, yeah, I would, I would kind of, again, like I was, I was telling him, Oh yeah, I just, I think I'm more of a person that works, works in office environment. I, I do better when I'm around my coworkers. And I, I think it's just because I'm just using this laptop and, and I'm just, everything's going slower. But in the back of my mind, I was like, I'm just, I'm just not, there's like a block there. There's like a wall there that's just preventing me from getting past what, and, 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 and really hitting my, kind of, I guess, potential or what I could be doing. So. Um, Did you find you got lost in the structure of the day? Like, you know, how, uh, kind of how you said things are just way different overall. Like you don't have to get ready in the morning. You don't have to drive to work. And then like, obviously the whole structure of like having someone in person, like your coworkers in person. Did you find like the whole structure, like the structure got lost? Yeah, I really did. Like, um, like I kind of said before, like, um, it's, it's, if there's no urgency, urgency to something, I find that it's so easy for, for myself, if there was no urgency there or nothing really pushing me like a fire under me, so to speak, um, it's so hard just to let yourself kind of, yeah, get lost in in the motions really. So, um, when I would be going into my, into the office, you know, I would, I would have an alarm set. I would, I would have the same routine every morning. I would, you know, bring a lunch, get ready for the day. Um, and I would show up, but, but yeah, it was definitely, like you said, with structure, it was, it was a lot harder to structure your, my days. I found when I was sort of on my own, doing things on my own initiative and, and, Right. Yeah. So I found like, th yeah, there was, I guess there was no, there was too much variation and there was no, there was no routine really. Like it, it was open to, to, I could get up right when I started work or like 15 minutes before my start time and, 
I didn't necessarily have to, to pack a lunch or anything like that. And you didn't necessarily have to put on nice business, casual clothes. You could just work in your pajamas, which most people do. But um, yeah, I definitely felt that the lack of structure was also a big factor to, you know, it's kind of all like the lack of structure and the lack of supervision. It kind of, it all ties together into, into causing you to feel just like, a little bit aimless or, or maybe like you have less of, you don't have something that you're working toward as much or, or less yeah. of a purpose, I would say th throughout the days on like a day-to-day -day basis. So, right. Yeah. It's, it's just easier for other things to take over when you're, you're in that situation, I would say. So. Would you um, say like it's easier to get distracted? Would you get distracted a lot? Oh, for sure. Um, so. Um, especially being in, in my, like, I live in an apartment with, uh, with a roommate. So at the time, I think he was still going to the office. So, um, being in your own kind of space, it's, it's a lot easier for everything to take your attention away from what you're doing at that specific time. Like I found, I found personally, like my, like I, I'll say this now, but I'm definitely not an expert. I've done my research, but really everything that I like I'd, I'd really like to just share what my my personal thoughts on it are and, and my personal experiences but I, I think a lot of people will have similar maybe experiences but um, like my personal experience is that I'll be doing something or I'll try to be doing a specific task but you're constantly thinking about something different no matter what you're doing you're not fully devoting yourself to what you're doing and, and other things are constantly going through your mind and it can be anything really, but it's, it's a lot of times what my surroundings were um, that would distract me. Um, and, and a lot of times, like I find, I find with me and I can link it to ADHD now, but to feel like you're fully able to sit down and apply yourself or do work, you have to almost feel like everything else around you is perfect before you're able to feel comfortable to, to sit down and and actually get the work done or, or start something. And you just keep telling yourself that no matter what. So it, it'll be one thing after the other. So if I would get up in the morning and I would sit down at my, my desk and start working, something would, there would be something in my, my apartment or my, my room that would bother me. And I'd say, well, just let me put that laundry. Like it's, 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 it's small little insignificant things for the most part, but they kind of all add up to just be, to just, to just cause you to just have no, no, no productivity or nothing to show for almost. But um, no, yeah, it, yeah. All that to say, like, 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 like you said, a lot of things would, would, uh, would pull your attention away. And it's in with ADHD, it's, it's, I think people's like society's typical thought of someone with ADHD or ADD would be difficulty paying attention to something it's i guess it's referred to as inattentiveness but difficulty paying attention to things uh like tasks that you're doing but i actually i i through some research i i read people sharing their experiences and they kind of a lot of people who have it say that it's not necessarily difficulty paying attention to one thing it's it's just you're paying attention to too many things at the same time you're paying attention to, to everything that's going on around you um whether it be someone talking in another room or the sound of something falling like any little sound can take your attention away from things so um and yeah i mean yeah 
a, a big thing would be if I would get up to do something that wasn't necessarily work as you're doing something, there's X number of other things that are also grabbing your attention as you're up doing, doing this thing that's not even your work in the first place. So, um, yeah. Right. So you get up to do some laundry and then you got like, oh, I should go clean that table off. And exactly. then it's like, just like, and then leads one thing to the next, the next. It's in, yeah, kind of, I kind of touched on it, but it's, it's largely like things that you're seeing in front of you that are grabbing your attention. It's if, if, if you're not seeing some, I find if I'm not seeing something physically, then it's not as much of a priority for me, but I'll notice things or something will grab my attention. So yeah, it's like, if you get up to put some laundry in and then you'll say, I'll see the coffee maker there and I'll say, well, I haven't had coffee yet and I should probably make that. I should probably make coffee. So I'll put coffee on, which takes whatever, 10 minutes to, to, to get together. And then you'll see some, some dishes left out, or you'll see uh, a coat that you want to hang up. It, it's, it's all kinds of things, really. It could be anything. Um, but yeah, it, it all adds up to cause one giant um, distraction throughout the day, I would say. So, right. yeah. So at what point, um, eventually you um, have these conversations with your boss and then you kind of get to the point where you seek out help. Yeah. So I, I guess I, I started really, oh, Sarah's cat's right here. She was also, she made an appearance in, in her. Second <laughs> appearance. Her, yeah. Yeah. Just cameo. Um, I guess. Mascot. <laughs> mascot. <laughs> um, I guess a big thing too, to something that's to like worth being said is that um, a lot of the characteristics of ADHD can look like something else to, to someone who doesn't necessarily have it. So I guess throughout the, the period of me working from home and, and, and me really falling behind on work and, and just not being able to focus on the things that I was supposed to do, I started really getting the fear that what it looked like to other people was that I was just, I, I kind of had a bad work ethic or that mm. I was, I didn't care about the work that I was doing. Or I didn't care about the job or just laziness maybe. And I think, I think I, I, through like a lot of things that I've read have said that, you know, ADHD and its traits are commonly misconstrued as, you know, poor work ethic, laziness. So my biggest fear was like that people thought that I just didn't want to do the work or I didn't care enough or I didn't have a good work ethic. So that also kind of made me kind of panic and, and think I need to, to figure out what's going on. Cause it's not that you don't want to do the work um, or that you don't care. You definitely know things are important and you know, the you're aware of the urgency of things, but it's, I guess in a lot of cases, it's just easier said than done. And then once you try mm -hmm. to actually apply yourself to it, there's, there's, there's all these other things going on all these factors that are at play and in your mind that just keep you from doing it. Um, so yeah, no, when, when, I guess when my coworkers started reaching out, I, I, that's when I started getting a little concerned because I didn't want my coworkers to think that, you know, I was unreliable and I just wasn't going to do any work when they asked me to do it for them. But um, when my boss started reaching out, that was definitely when like, I, I started thinking like, I don't want to let this affect my, my, my long-term or I don't want to let this affect my, my job or my good standing. Um, and so I, I think there was a lot of discussions. Like I talked to Sarah 
Um, cause I think like she mentioned on the pot on, on her podcast episode with you that she, she had been seeing, I think a counselor and, uh, and she started seeing a, a psychologist, I believe. So she was more familiar with like the, uh, the whole process of going to therapy. I myself had never gone to a therapist prior to, to any of this. Um, but she was pretty encouraging and she swore by it and she said, they've done nothing but good for her. And clearly they, like she's her episode. There is proof that, that a lot of great things came from it. So she said, why don't you, I think she had maybe even suggested ADHD. And to me, like me just ha having been oblivious, like I had never considered the idea that I could have had ADHD before this. Um, um, so, because really, I guess the typical image of somebody with ADHD is like a kid and a lot through a lot of things that I, that I've looked into it, the typical, um, what you'd picture would be a kid that just can't sit with ADHD, especially a kid that can't sit still, a kid that's all over the place, kind of bouncing off the walls and can't pay attention in class, which it definitely can look like that. But there's, there's, I've come to learn that there's so much more that goes along with it and, it can be pretty debilitating. It's more than just not being able to pay attention, but um, that's mainly why I think it's just like society's perception of what ADHD is that I didn't ever consider myself to have that. And I was always kind of like, oh, well, that's not, doesn't apply to me because I was never, I was more of a shy kid. So I didn't exhibit the, the off the walls kind of in your face, loud tendencies. So I think it right. was, I kind of flew under the radar for all of my childhood um in that regard and, and what really affected me through school was just not being able to grasp what was going on in class not being able to pay attention or things constantly grabbing my attention um and it kind of just snowballed from there all through school but anyway um not to get off too off track but um sarah it was definitely a a, a big um factor in why i decided to kind of reach out and seek out a a psychologist um and it was at some point i think it was probably in july because i had my first session in mid-july um that i i just looked into it i kind of searched up psychological centers in halifax really and i just kind of reached out to a few and um i have this app through my phone that it's just it's just through like my work that you can just go on and you can search up whatever kind of provider you want, you can request these appointments. So I think I requested a few, I just looked into what these places specialized in and I kind of had an idea that I might have something going on in terms of focus. So ADHD was, was in my mind. So I looked at places that specialized in ADHD and um, I got called by one specifically and they said, hey, how's, how's next week basically. So um, all that to say, I, yeah, I, I, I just, through people that are close to me that were more familiar with 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 uh, therapy and therapists, I um, I finally took it up the initiative to kind of reach out, and um, that was a big turning point, I would say, because it was kind of I'd say exactly what what I needed to do to to kind of get to the next step and figuring everything out and and uh were you nervous yeah, I, I was for sure because i'd never before that i'd never before that had too many experiences with 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 looking into like my own mental health like um 
definitely through through school and whatnot, I knew that I'd probably had some some anxiety and what and 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 things along those lines. But um, I never felt that I needed. I had a reason to 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 seek out therapy. But now, fall after the fact, I I think that I mean anybody can benefit from from it, regardless of what you have going on. You don't necessarily need to be in in a in a a mental health crisis. Um, I mean, I just feel as though just to speak about your concerns or anything that you have going on in life is is definitely a great vice, and it's definitely a great. I mean, yeah. So I, I definitely felt the was... same way about it when I went. I I just think like I don't think there's anybody that could uh, not benefit from it, even if, like you said, you're not yeah. in a crisis or you're not going through something that's horrible at the moment like i just think that uh i think life is weird and life is uh challenging and and to be able to like just never talk about your inner thoughts or how, what you how you feel about things like to have like a person rather that you can go to like a non-biased opinion a non-biased uh ears to listen to uh to you talk i think just yeah i think anybody could benefit from it exactly it's it's maybe not even necessarily just therapy specifically like seeing a psychologist or a counselor it's just i think anything that's therapeutic to the to the specific person like what whatever that is whether it's um being with family or friends or um being physically active or any hobbies that you might have just anything that allows you to just kind of forget about what's going on in your outer bubble and just kind of disconnect and but but yeah like you're saying with 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 seeing an actual therapist I think that I think that I think that everybody inevitably has to have a way to has to have a way to have some sort of outlet you can't just keep everything internalized constantly because you'll you'll you're only leading down a path where you'll eventually there will be a breaking point at some point maybe not all in all cases it's not necessarily the the case for everyone but i mean if if if, yeah i mean i that's pretty much why i just think it's i think it's definitely beneficial i think you need to you have some sort of an outlet for advice um so for sure um, but yeah, no, I was beforehand, like, yeah, no, and I think a lot of people have an attitude or a, or a approach to it, like, like it, that something, whether it be a mental illness, uh, depression, anxiety, um, people have like a, an attitude as, as if that could, that could never happen. Well, that, that's, that's happening to someone else, but it, it couldn't happen to me. It's, it's not, it's not going to happen to me. Like I'm, I'm different or I'm fine. Not, not necessarily thinking not necessarily looking down on, on mental illnesses, but just that, okay, basically like I, it could never happen to me attitude until, until it does. And then. Yeah. It's kind of the same with any illness, right? Like you don't think you'll ever get cancer. No one ever goes through their life thinking oh, I'll get cancer when I'm 36 yeah. or, or whatever, or just uh, anything like that, any kind of health issue exactly. or, or whatever it may be, but yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't really affect you until it does. Yeah. And, and yeah, especially what you're saying, like everybody knows someone with cancer. So it's, it's definitely, unfortunately common. And I think it really applies to, I think I, I'd listened to one of your episodes 
previous episodes where you had a guy on and he compared it, or maybe it was, I can't remember if it was you or the person that you've had on, but compared um, having a mental illness to having a broken leg. And I've heard, I've heard the comparison before, but um, yeah, I just, I think, I think mental illnesses are, are probably because you can't see them. Definitely. They're, they're less of a focus then obviously someone's leg is broken. You have to, you have to tend to that. You have to find a fix to that. You have to go to a doctor. Yeah. Um, but something that you can't necessarily see is not, it's a little bit more of a gray area where, where there definitely should be more awareness, but anyway. Um, yeah. I, well, I think like, um, like the whole reason I wanted to do this podcast and I've had like older generations come on and, and talk about it they talk about how like in the past, like you just didn't talk about it. And it was like almost this uh, thing where like, and I honestly, the way I look at it is like, we all go through it. We all have mental health and we're all like, we're all kind of pretending that we don't feel it. Right. Exactly. That's, yeah. That's where we're at. But like, you know, for someone that maybe hadn't, doesn't feel, hasn't gone through any kind of struggle or doesn't feel it like they wouldn't um, like, they might not understand uh that's i think that's just where the stigma is but i don't even think that's true i think everybody kind of feels it but like for someone who's never experienced it they might not see like there's that attitude there was that old-fashioned attitude of like just get up and go to work and like there's nothing wrong with you yeah. like, there's nothing physically wrong with you so just like you know what i mean there's almost yeah. like this anger undertone of like just you know i don't know like but, how yeah i i do i know exactly what you're saying too it, it almost seems like we kind of went from a generation and it's not everybody's a product of where they come from really. So it's, it's, yeah. it's, or a product of your environment really. So, so I don't fault people necessarily for, for having a less open-minded attitude toward it because obviously that came from somewhere before them. Exactly. Yeah. So everything's kind of passed along and it's, it's kind of, I find that it's that we almost went from a generation that, knew nothing well I won't, I won't say knew nothing but there was really no focus on it's almost as if there was almost no focus on on mental health to all of a sudden the very next generation or so um it's it's a much bigger priority and it's just it came to the well yeah with with a lot of campaigns such as like the bell let's talk we were all familiar with that but it seems to be on the forefront in some some aspects but um exactly like like you're saying like there's there's certainly, and I've talked to people who have an attitude of if when they were younger, it was like, okay, you're fine. Just, just brush it off and yeah, get up and, and go just, to work because you do the work because that's what you're supposed yeah. to do. And yeah. And it's just, yeah. uh, I think it's just lack of awareness, but I think it's interesting. Like even, I don't know if like pay attention, kind of like, I just had a, um, a lady on their last last week beth gardner she's um, in her 50s it's kind of like uh, right. like it would be like our parents generation and yep just listening to them speak sometimes like i i remember always hearing like they would say like people having a nervous breakdown or their nerves are bad and that was kind of like as far as it would go it's interesting like that was kind of like just the the blanket um diagnosis like the nerves are bad <laughs> so yeah people know, would say my nerves like i i literally remember people in my own family saying my nerves and Exactly. I didn't even really think about that until you just said it, but they would also, I think a lot of, th a lot of the terms they would use would be just like, Oh, that for like, I'm stressed out. Or I have, a, I'm, 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 I have a lot of stress. 
you got to carry mm-hmm. a lot of stress when really it's you're an anxious you could be an anxious person you could have anxiety um yeah yeah generalized anxiety but i mean yeah it's and i it's think the like, way sorry go ahead oh no i just yeah i think the way that we're looking at it and the approach to it all is is has changed i think people are looking at it from a different angle um yeah. where back when it would have been more just i don't know um dismissed so much more mm-hmm. in the way that yeah. you're saying with saying a nervous breakdown or nerves are bad so yeah 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 i think uh, like from what i gathered i think beth was talking about this last week it's kind of like the boomer generation and there was like you know world war ii survivors like a hard generation oh um, yeah i think like psychiatric drugs didn't really take hold till like the 60s or 70s yeah so i mean there was a lot of trauma that they brought back and then they kind of put took that to the next generation which would be like the 50 60 year olds now exactly and there was no real talk of it but yeah you know it's interesting like you talk about stress i think now um what i try to capture here and with my job like i'm a personal trainer and stuff and like just finding like balance i think that's a huge thing like to be able to uh you know create structure for yourself and have hobbies and um like you said like whether it's therapy or whether it's hobbies whether it's friends or it's family and just to have all those spokes in the tires that are uh that are kind of set you know exactly and that's kind of like it leads me to yeah like i agree with what you're saying completely and and with you say like i spoke about my boss but he's he's definitely huge on on like work-life balance and 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 just you know in a lot of cases prioritizing what you have going on in your personal life he a lot of times he'll say it's not life or death so and in like family and friends i think it's 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 almost necessary for everybody to have someone in their lives that because you really can't and with a lot of these things it's like you can't really you can't just do it on your own like i don't take credit for i don't take 100 percent credit for for figuring out a little bit more of what i had going on during that time um i was just lucky enough to have you know good coworkers, good friends good family um and i think everybody needs somebody else at some point you can't just do it all yourself and you can't move forward on your own accord in a lot of cases so yeah no i was yeah i feel i consider myself really lucky and i think you people and another thing is like with a lot of the stigma that goes that surrounds all this is is people's maybe not wanting or unwillingness to to reach out to somebody else and just they're going at it alone and they're yeah they're they're thinking that they can they can tackle it on their own or they're they're thinking that they can i don't know i don't know how to yeah i really don't i just i think people or have have a unwillingness or or maybe they don't recognize that the people around them are, are would help them just in a heartbeat like that so um i think it's like a nervousness to share and it kind of goes back to what we talked about like past generations yeah. it's like you're so scared like you must have mm-hmm. felt the two where you going through that period where you didn't uh maybe you said like you're in like kind of denial about it or you just like didn't really realize it yet a lot yeah. of people are in that stage and they'll be in that stage for a long long time where it's like oh yeah they know that there's but it's kind of like they don't want they don't really look at um like fully look in the mirror it's just like it keeps getting pushed down and pushed down and then yeah i've been there myself or you're so terrified to say like you desperately want help like secretly Mm -hmm. but you're so terrified to say exactly what's on your mind because it is scary 
Exactly. And sometimes, like, sometimes like having that, like it's really hard to have that conversation. Yeah, I think I think so many people have this like, what will they think of me? <clears throat> will they think of me differently? Sort of sort of thought process. And yeah. and people, I think people like some in some cases think like, well, I'm gonna lose this person, or or these people are gonna or they're gonna hate me, or they're gonna turn like they're they they just don't wanna you don't wanna mess up your you don't want to screw up your relationships with people almost or you're just thinking what will they think of me will they think differently of me if uh yeah and and i think like the big yeah like you said is is that you desperately want to reach out or you know in the back of your head or and you have to just look at yourself in the mirror but yeah i think it's like the biggest i i kind of separated into like the pre like what you had like for my own case personally i kind of separated into like the stage of not knowing what was going on, but having a feeling yeah. and, and, and it was in the back of my head. And then the realization, which was the big pivotal point. And then afterwards where you've, you've, you've taken now the point now at this point you can move forward. So I think the biggest, I don't know, barrier or the biggest wall in somebody is that in front of people is the actual realization or the acceptance. And it kind of sounds cliche, but acceptance is the, is the people say acceptance in a lot of cases acceptance is the is the first step um, 100% yeah but yeah no i think that's and, P, and it can take some some people so long and it's like mm-hmm. just thinking about that is like you know who knows how long it's going to take somebody depends on the person how long how long it's going to take that person to finally realize that something needs to change like there has to be yeah. a breaking point like i said before so yeah usually so Sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I just I think everybody definitely gets there probably at different at their own pace. And it's a huge, yeah, just the realization. And then you can kind of move forward after the realization with the information that you have and and uh and I don't know. That's what yeah. It's interesting. It's like it's kind of almost uh, there's parallels with like uh with like addictions and um yeah, you know, like 12 step like first step is admitting you have a problem but like yeah i know i think it's you're you're totally right it's different for everybody and it can take however long it takes but that's kind of the inspiration for doing this is just to like have these open conversations of uh continuously sharing what people went through so you don't feel alone you don't feel because that's super common where you just feel like you know maybe you feel like that too where you you're, you're one of six in your office and you're like well these other people aren't doing this and oh you know I mean? it, that's exactly like that's a feeling that i had and that was a theme throughout and, and a lot of a lot of things that i've read about people's experience with adhd it was a theme through my whole life where you're thinking like why can't i you, you look at people around you and i guess and, and you think to yourself like it seems so easy for them or so seamless or, or it seems like they're it just comes to them so naturally. Why doesn't it, wasn't that the case for me? Like for most, because my, most of my experiences were in school because I'm, I guess I'm in my twenties. I've been out working just for a few years after graduating, but most of my past experiences were from, from school where it affected me the most. But um, there was a lot of like, just thinking like, maybe I'm just not as smart as these people are, or I'm not as, um discipline don't have the work ethic that they do do i'm not as organized but um yeah there's a big thing of thinking like you're just different 
And I would always think to myself, oh, I, I guess I'm just different from other people. And eventually you just start accepting it. You don't question it anymore. Yeah. It's like, oh, I have to maybe work a little harder. And then I still don't even know what I'm, <laughs> I still don't know the stuff I'm supposed to know. But um, I would think to myself, oh, I'm, I'm just different. But then I'd also think to myself, like, oh, don't be so full on yourself. Like you're not any more, you're not any more special than other people. You're not different than, from other people in that way. But it was more of like a, um yeah no I and I, I actually had a meeting with my boss probably like a year prior to going into the quarantine and, and before we were when we were because I would have these meetings with him every so often just to, for like performance evaluations and whatnot and I would but he gives us he gives us time just to like we don't we can we can talk about work or we can talk about anything else that's going on in, in our lives if we want to if we want to is the big thing so he's he's just there as an ear if we ever need him but um, at one point I said to him, like, I'm just, I think I'm just, everybody else seems so organized to me. Like, they just seem like they know what they're doing. They're so good at what they're doing. And I was like, I've been in this job for like two years now. And I feel like I still haven't grasped it. I just don't feel organized in a day-to-day -day basis. Really, I just feel scrambled and I feel like it's a lot of times at the end of a day, you'll feel like, what really did I, what did I really get done today? Because I mean in an eight hour day, I feel like I only got like an hour's worth of work done, but yeah. Um, yeah, no, there's definitely that feeling of just like, yeah, you're just, you're just, and like I said, it, it, it's, it's commonly just like eight symptoms of ADHD are commonly just, just like um, dismissed as being, you know, lazy, poor work ethic. So I guess before the therapy, that's really what I didn't want people to think of me. And I, I, I yeah um it's probably what you didn't want to think of yourself or what you knew you weren't right that's what it is too and like i'd say to myself like i know i want to do this like i i definitely don't like i'd had this insane amount of guilt from not knowing from knowing that i wasn't i guess performing to the level that i should be really right. um and you'd feel you'd feel yeah i'd feel this guilt and i'd feel this just like I don't know worry for the future I didn't want my my job to be at risk or anything like that so but you're you get that frustration from like I want to do this but why can't I do this like in a day-to-day -day, yeah. like I want to type up this report or I want to um send this email but why can't I just get the words down on paper and and I find with ADHD like as a as a kid like when i was diagnosed it's referred to as adult adhd because it looks a lot different in adults than it does in kids and because when you're when when you're a kid it's more acceptable to kind of be rambunctious or 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 um kind of off the wall so to speak but as you get older you kind of you just you develop these these coping mechanisms and you know it's not as socially acceptable to be loud and obnoxious as an adult and um, you can't, you can't release the energy, I guess, the energy that you have inside in the same way. So it comes out in different ways. Um, and it, it mostly reflects in, in just the work that you're doing or, or the how you're performing in school, because everything's pretty much for the most part, for the most part, like internalized, I would say. And it's just right. something that you're you're going through in, in, in inside in your head, and 
a lot of frustration comes from it and a lot of questioning yourself and a lot of feeling of just like a feeling incompetent sort of thing is the, is the big theme. And you just feel like you're not able to, yeah, perform your, the basic tasks in, in your job and that your job is what pays you every day. And you rely on that to, 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 to just live day to day. So it's like, if I, how, how could it be that I can't uh, do this to the standard that I'm supposed to? So it's, it's like a lot of questioning yourself a lot of, yeah. But that certainly was happening a lot during, during the period, like I discussed where um, I was working from home. I was kind of on my own accord. I didn't have anybody. I was, I did have a, like people I was answering to, but you didn't really have anybody that you were answering to. So um what was it like getting the diagnosis and uh moving forward from there it was it was uh i guess relieving would be a huge understatement because it was kind of like a confirmation of what i was coming to think was the case and and also it was so much reassurance in all the in all of your past experiences like with 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 the diagnosis, I was then able to really explain why a lot of things happened, I guess, to, to, to speak generally, like I was able to speak, I was able to, to, to explain or find a, a reason to why I had, I felt the way I did and why I, I, instead of just not knowing what was going on, like I did all through school. And then a lot of times at work, like, and just having no conclusion from it, you're able to to associate so much with with the diagnosis and realizing okay like this a lot of this wasn't necessarily within my control it was it was it was kind of just how your brain's wired um but i i I had gone to the therapy and i think i'd gone to five sessions um and at the start like i i spoke to the the therapist that i had been seeing and i said i kind of have an idea of what's going on but I mean, I'm open to anything and I just wanted to describe to her what was going on with my work situation, really. Like that was my biggest priority because it was so pressing. Like it was, it was starting to become a, oh, I, I, I need to figure what's going on or else I think my, my job is going to be affected and my good standing. So I just described to her everything that was going on at work. And um, from the start, she, she kind of said, oh, it seems like you may have some anxiety um, but you definitely have some focus and intention issues. Um, but first she, I think she wanted to, she wanted to go more into the, um, the anxiety aspect of it. Um, so she kind of, she kind of looked into that a little bit um, because, because she, what I didn't know is she said, is what she told me is that like um, having, I guess, generalized anxiety or, or social anxiety can, can, um, have a lot of impacts on, on your everyday social situations or work situations too in that way. So she said, I'm going to look into this first. Um, and I definitely think maybe there's a presence of ADHD or inattentiveness, but I want to first see if anxiety would be the main thing or if it's maybe because a lot of times, and I guess anxiety and depression and other things can be a result of something else that's going on. They can be like an underlying, there can be like an underlying thing. So she said she wanted to see if the anxiety was a result of, of ADHD because they can, they can kind of go hand in hand and, and having ADHD can cause a lot of, it can branch off into a lot of other things. Right. So it didn't take long before she kind of said, okay, 
now I kind of want to officially go into this. So I got this, I think she, she, she get, I had this assessment that I went through and it took two or three sessions. So um, I had seen her from, from July, mid July, 2020 until September, October ish. Um, I think there was five sessions in total, but after, after she, she asked me a lot of questions. So she first wanted to see what, what my experiences as a kid were. So she, they divided up into like before you're 12 into experiences from pre 12 until, and then experiences from 12 onward into your adulthood. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not to get too technical with all of it. And, but after all was said and done, they, they divide ADHD up into a couple different, different categories. And I think it's, it's one, one of the categories is inattentiveness. Another is um, hyperactivity. Um, and another is emotional control or emotional impulse because there's a big emotional aspect to ADHD too. Um, but I ended up scoring in like the 99th percentile in, in all of the categories. Um, and I was, I guess I was being tested against people in my age group with ADHD. So at the time I was 26, so it wasn't that long ago, but yeah, um, I scored pretty high. Like, I think that's, that's one of the highest you can, you can, I think it goes, I, I, I'm not an expert again, I'll say this, but I think I, as far as my understanding goes, it, it's, it's kind of like a spectrum and you can fall anywhere on that spectrum, that spectrum of ADHD. And you can, okay. you can have some of the components of it, but not all, like you may not have um, as much of the impulsivity and you may not have as much of the inattentiveness. You may be more hyperactive and, and whatnot, but um, I think I was pretty steady and consistent throughout all of the different um, uh, groupings there. But um, it was definitely like from, after all the, the assessments went on, I had one last session with her and we kind of talked through that. And she just said, so I have the results. And she said, yeah, I can confidently say you do have ADHD. And I don't even know at that time, it was just like a sigh of relief because I was pretty sure that's what the case was prior to that. But then actually hearing someone who who was who kind of an expert in this stuff say it was just, it was great to have that confirmation. And then it, it kind of immediately made me feel a lot better about the previous few months with with work and whatnot and the concerns from my coworkers because I, I felt that I was able to say, okay, like it wasn't necessarily my fault in all those cases. And I'd, I truly did want the best for, for the situation, but yeah, there was something else at play here. And it was, it was good to just have that, I guess, reassurance from them. And uh, she, she was, she said to me, okay, I'll write up this, this diagnostic report. And uh, I guess, which wasn't just an official diagnosis. And she said, then you'll have that if you want to give that to your supervisor and you're, you can, you can just, feel better and giving that to him. And, and so he'll now he'll know that, um, I mean, you, your intentions were always good, but um, yeah. So um, yeah, like I said, no, it was just a huge relief. Um, and not only with what's going on, what was going on at work, but I was just able to look back at like my time in university, my time in high school and just outside of school and just kind of be able to to tie a lot of the things to to having this and 
just to realize, okay, wow, like this has affected me from the point. This has affected me at every step of the way, really. It was always something that was present and I had no idea what was going on really. And, and I, um, I don't know, I just kind of dismissed everything um, throughout life in just saying like, I'm just probably not, things don't come as easily to me. I don't, I don't understand things as well. And I don't, I'm just, my work ethic isn't as good as, as others. So no, it's great. Um, kind of from there, she, I, I, I guess at the point where I'd realized that I, I, my next priority was like, what, what can I now do to, I, I can't really do anything about having this. What can I now do to make my situation better? So I kind of some strategies about, to go forward. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what she, I mean, we've all, everybody's probably, probably heard of like Adderall and Ritalin and all those classics. So I, I kind of want to look into that option. She said, she said like, what her recommendation would be would just to be to try a, a medication because if my biggest concern was the inattentiveness part and the the getting being able to focus and get work done then that would definitely be something that she'd recommend me trying because like the typical medications for ADHD they definitely do a good job in helping with with your focus and, and getting things done but they don't seem to really do much for the other they don't really do a whole lot for the hyperactivity part um, yeah. and the restlessness and the emotional impulses and stuff like that. But my biggest concern at the time was I just need to get my work. I need to catch up at work. I need to do a good job at work and I, I can't let this snowball anymore. I just need to, to figure it out. So she had, she had recommended just trying medication. So I, from there, I just went to my doctor and I said, Hey, I recently got this, this diagnosis. So um i just want to know what you'd suggest to me in terms of, of a medication what would be best for me and he he prescribed me something called vivance which is i think a little different they're all a little different but um he said i'm gonna try you on vivance um because in my opinion it's got the least amount of side effects and so i said yeah sure that's fine and it, something that i that's something that's to be said i guess about adhd and, and like the medication that you typically see is that um, it, it kind of, I guess, varies from, I guess what I want to say too, is that ADHD, it's not necessarily classified as like a mental illness, so to speak, more so a, a neurological disorder. So it's like, it's, it's, it's in the formation of the brain, I, I believe. And I'm not an expert, like I said, but um, there's the medication that's available is a little different from medications that would kind of treat a uh, mental illness. Whereas um, someone who was maybe taking medication for depression, um, you need to be more structured with your medication. And I think you need to take it every day or else there could be side effects in that regard. And, and I think maybe when people begin to take certain medications for other mental illnesses, like there's, there's potential side effects as you're starting out, as you're getting used to it, but um, it's a little different with, with Vyvanse and Adderall and whatnot, where it's, it's something that you take on a day-to-day, -day or on a day, day-to-day -day basis, but you don't need to necessarily be consistent with it. Like you can take it one day, you don't have to take it the next day and there won't be any major side effects if you, if you don't take it. Like what they said to me was that you can take it during the week, but you don't have to take it on weekends if you don't feel like it, or some people take a break through the weekend or through a weekend. So, um, 
I don't know if your, I definitely your body doesn't become like physically dependent on it where you get like sick and all these side effects for for not taking exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. And that's yeah. But you you can yeah. It, it, you can take it as much on an as needed basis, I guess, is is, is the way it goes. So um yeah, that was back in September when finally, and like I said, that was the point where it was like I had the realization there was things that pointed toward it to me. It was in the back of my mind, but I went to this stage of like not thinking that I could possibly have something going on or it wouldn't happen to me. But then things started to to build up more and more. And I finally had this point where I was where where I, I had this realization that I just can't let it keep going the way it's going. Like I'm not making any forward progress. So I gotta do something or I gotta change something. Um so yeah, it's, that was that point back in September, and and since then I've just, I've I've kind of just tried to take it upon myself to to look into it and just learn more. And uh, definitely, what the medication that was prescribed to me has has helped. Um, it it gives you, I guess, it helps you with your focus for sure, but it also like inadvertently gives you a lot of the confidence that you may not necessarily had before because. There's a lot less of of the doubting yourself going on when you when you realize that this is what when you can kind of pinpoint what was causing what was the root of your your main issues before everything. So um, kind of like a third person view where you're looking down on on or like an outward view looking on the situation opposed to being right in the middle of it in the scramble and not yeah. And that's a good way to describe it before, before I had, I had sought out a therapist is you're right in the middle of it and you're just kind of rolling with everything as it's going. And right. you're, you're I, yeah, you're, um, yeah, like I said, for me, I wasn't making any forward movement or, or progress at all. I was just caught up in it all. And you're kind of like, you don't know what's, what, what's going on, but you're, you're also not doing anything to, to figure it out. But, yeah, it definitely gave me yeah a third, like a like an outer party looking in on the situation sort of sort of view where like you feel like you now have something to work with really after you yeah. I got some sort of a diagnosis and and I got yeah it, it was promising and you feel like you now have something to work with and you can you have the you finally have more tools to kind of make your situation better in a way right. right. Um, and I think like Sarah had, she had mentioned that when she found some reassurance and she was, she started realizing what was going on in her situation. She, she'd used, she's been using a lot of, a lot of outlets like Reddit and, and other, and YouTube and other internet platforms. And um, I definitely have, yeah, I think Reddit's a great, it can be a great um, place or a great community and, 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 you can you can be a member you can you can use reddit for so many different things but what i yeah largely what i started doing was was searching just just reading posts on like the adhd reddit page yeah and and what's good about that is it's just kind of like a um it's kind of like a forum and almost like in real time and you have other people who are in your situation it's a little different from from getting advice from a therapist where maybe they don't necessarily have what you have or they don't necessarily deal with what you're dealing with on a day to day, but they, their knowledge on it's so extensive that they're able to give you tools to, to deal with things. But on Reddit, you're, you're a lot of times 
talking with or reading experiences from people who like deal with the exact same thing that you're dealing with. So um, Reddit's been great. Uh, YouTube's been great. And even things like the podcast, like your podcast, people can listen to that. And with Sarah's episode, she had people message her following that who may not have, like what I said, with I said, with what I said, with having like a breaking point or a moment of realization, she had people message her saying like, that all makes so much sense. I relate so much to what you just said. Thank you so much for sharing that. Now I'm going to go forward and, and do this. Right. She had like people listening to your awesome. podcast hear things that they can relate so much to and they may not have necessarily had that point of realization had they not listened to her experience or listened to the experience of someone else that you had on your podcast so yeah i mean no it's definitely yeah it definitely the diagnosis kind of gave me the the ability and the realization the tools that i needed to then start understanding my situation so much more and and and, uh, and and finding like uh, an explanation to to all the things that I had felt or experienced through through life, really. That's um, that's beautiful, man. That you know, people reach out, and it's, it's awesome that you know you were able to start to find tools. Was there anything else um, you found like on a daily basis that um, kind of helped you? Just day-to-day maybe small things um specifically for me like other than i guess the medication that i started started to take finance um i don't know i would say like the initial talking to someone about it when i started going to therapy and seeing a psychologist made me more confident or, or comfortable with talking about things with maybe a friend or a right. family member and um i found it really helpful just to like i said earlier just to speak to someone about how you felt at a certain time or how you're feeling right now or and just to be able to to like to have almost like a soundboard that you can bounce things off of um, I definitely found it helpful to to start talking more about what was going on in your mind or what's going on in my head and how I felt about something. But with ADHD, like specifically, I found that you're able to, I guess, more generally, like if as someone with ADHD, like you're able to 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 do things to the same standard or to the same potential that so many other people are. But if you don't necessarily realize what you have or what's going on, then you're not really given the tools, like I said. So um, you just need to kind of structure your life in a way that optimizes what you can do or a way that you got to figure out how you do things best or how you work best or, or how you can like make the most of your day to day. So I found, I just, yeah, I find the realization that this is what's going on in any given moment. Like instead of getting frustrated and, and, and letting it that be that and dismissing something, I'm able to now say like, 
well, this is why I just did that. It's just the realization, I think, is such a big thing and uh, awareness. And, and with ADHD, I find it a big help to make lists of the things. So now I, I realize like that I'm much more of a visual person. A lot of people with ADHD, I think, probably are. So I need to have things in front of me at all times so that it stays in my mind and, I, and I'm still aware of it. So I, I, I just like to, to organize things in a way that things are in front of me and I know what's pressing. And I guess most of the way, I, most of what I can speak to is, is largely like with, with, with how I deal with things at work. And, but yeah, I think what's really helpful is to make lists of things and to write things down so that you don't forget um, what you need to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I do think that, like you said, you're a personal trainer. I, I do find that having something like that, like an outlet, like working out or, or being a little bit active definitely gives me some more of a, a feeling of clarity in my head. So um, yeah. it definitely helps with having like the sense of like foggy brain or, or just being a little bit. Yeah. So it's just, it's just like, it takes a weight off for sure. So I think just definitely like focusing on yourself sometimes just setting some time aside for yourself and, and being aware and um, maybe questioning things and not just, yeah, not just dismissing everything. Um, but yeah, just having the realization. Right. So, yeah. That's awesome, man. That's yeah. um, wise words. And I think that's seems like a good place to end it. I just want to say, um, Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for sharing, man. Oh, no worries at all, man. Anytime. I was happy to do it. Um, yeah. No, like I said, Sarah had such good feedback and I, I kind of, I, I didn't necessarily consider, consider my experiences like extraordinary, but I, I felt to myself that, um, you know, there's probably at least one person that is in my situation and maybe they're a few months behind me where they could maybe hear this and, and uh it might bring clarity have some forward movement yeah it might bring some clarity to them so yeah there's always i think there's always a t it's there's it's always a good time to talk about stuff like this really i think so too so, man yep i want to say thanks so much and we're going to uh i'm going to send you some salts and send uh, oh right you and sarah awesome. some salts in the mail so we got the four different kinds of cooking sea salts here and that is wow. from the uh Prince Edward Island Sea Salt Company. So everybody go check them out. 40% of all proceeds go to uh, mental health here in PEI. That's awesome, man. Appreciate and, it. Uh, yeah, no problem. And um, yeah, man, maybe I'll see you uh, if um, PEI ever opens up, Bubble Lovers opens up. See you next oh, August. <laughs> yeah. And I think we're looking to make a trip as soon as the borders open up, as soon as we can. So yeah, man, I'd, yeah, I'd definitely be. Uh, We'd uh, have to go to, there's a few nice restaurants in Charlottetown that I've been to, but we, we could definitely, uh, yeah, do something. Maybe we'll next the summer. Whole crew, all three Another of cottage, us. <laughs> cottage weekend. Yeah, for sure, man. All right. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks, man. Have a good day. You too. Woo! <laughs>